And welcome to another excellent edition of Not For Nothing. Nothing? Nothing? With your host, Chris and Chris. Hi, Chris. And? And our old producer, John. <laughs> Hi, John. Hey, How guys. are you? I, I'm, I, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, already the nihilistic intro that you've given this podcast. I can see that the focus is really on the nothing. It is a, it's a lot of nothing. Um, yeah. The, the, the reason, so just a little backstory. Uh, first of all, John, thanks for coming on. This is John. Thanks for having I, me. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to tell your last name, so I just left it with an awkward. Keep it a secret. John, yeah. Don't uh, know. John, John, when we originally did the show uh, back in the day, was our, our first producer. Uh, the show had a different name and sort of a different premise and was about three hours <laughs> of us just getting drunk. Uh, <laughs> fast, fast forward to about fast forward about four years later. It's an hour long, and only Chris gets drunk on Thursdays. Um, yeah, right. Is that fair to yep. say? Uh, totally fair, absolutely. But John is oh, one. What of, an evolution! John is one of the greatest people I think I know in the world, and uh, he's been a huge, huge help for me. And I've mentioned this on the pod before. Uh, he's been a huge help for me, like maintaining my sanity in the weirdest way possible. Which is, uh, yes. which is by, by watching a Christian Slater movie a week uh, and yes. texting and, and text like live texting through the entire, through the entire thing, which we have not yeah. since, since official quarantining, social distancing, I don't think we've missed a week. Is that true? No, it, we haven't. We haven't done it yet this week. So, we, you know, we have a little bit of work to keep this record up this week. You know, we got to. I got to find a pirated version. Wait, can I mention that on the podcast? Uh, uh, I got to find a believe <laughs> you're going to bleep that out, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. You bet. I have to find a version of um, the name of the rose for this week. We do, no, uh, no one wants to watch the name of the rose, John. You keep tr- John Chief keeps trying to find this this like weird bootleg like monk movie that's like a period <laughs> piece. I think just cuz he's trying to break me. From this, <laughs> from this idea that watching a Christian Slater movie a week can help maintain sanity. I want to see Christian Slater in a monk's robe. What can <laughs> I say? No, well, I understand that's going to be a problem for you because it probably won't involve an undershirt. <laughs> and that's key to your appreciation of Christian Slater's kind of physical mystique. But he's, he's never consistent with his undershirts. We've noticed, or I've noticed, <laughs> oftentimes he has a... He'll wear a wife beater. Sometimes he'll wear like a little like vest kind of thing. Uh, often a, yeah. a t-shirt. Or he wears a, lots of like outer vests, like yeah. outer gear, like vests with pockets. Yeah, there's always a there's a shirt and then a shirt on top of the shirt. Be it mm-hmm. a button down short sleeve over like yeah. a cool skater shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so. Yeah. Chris, I don't want to just steamroll you. If you have any questions uh, up front as to like, I don't know why the fuck we're doing this right now, feel free to chime in at any time. I don't, I don't care why you're doing this, but I, I do want to know how long do you think you can do this? How many movies is how many later made? Well, yeah, but like how many, how many do you actually think you can actually watch? Cause it looks like from his IMDB page, there's a, there's like dozens of them, right? I mean, you can go and like, depending on how, prominent he is in the film or not but you could go for a while which is watching christian but how many of them are you actually going to or want to be able to watch john i'll let you answer that i i think we want to watch all of them i mean as we were just discussing before we started except for name of the officially, Rose. <laughs> officially podcasting no we're gonna w- watch that one it's on microsoft <laughs> streaming service no one even um, has that no one no one's ever had that it's not even a thing <laughs> only john <laughs> well, that's probably why they, they probably have a really good free trial period that we can take advantage of. For, um, can you imagine? Of- can you imagine like signing up for the free trial for In the Name of the Rose and then finding your credit card <laughs> bill a month later with like a fifty nine ninety nine charge on it? <laughs> We've given. Do you also go? Do you also go to like TV shows then at some point? No, no, no. no okay, no. All right. That's an unwritten rule. I don't think John and I have discussed that at all. Nor have we discussed how many we'd watch. But I'm thrilled to hear that it's all of them. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think the quarantine is ending anytime soon. So I also, you know. I also don't think that this is limited to the, to the quarantine. 
the reason that I think it, a little bit of origin story here. The reason we officially originally did this was I think John and I just got drunk one night and we're both watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Which I don't, not by coincidence. <laughs> I don't think. not at all. Not at all. I'm sure one of us was watching it. And was like, oh, I'll put that on. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so, and thus started the the beginning of this. John and I have also went to see uh, Pump Up the Volume uh, in yep. the movie theaters together when they when they showed it at Alamo yeah. Draft House when movie theaters existed. Yeah, when there were um, movies that w- that people um, went to. The um, I think that it kind of all started about uh, you know, as a debate around the merits of Christian Slater. I mean, I think that's for sure. Like, I, Chris, I think I can say that you're a, a fan. <laughs> <laughs> a fan, fan is is a term I would use uh, very very loosely. I'm I'm a super fan. Yeah, yeah, and um, now that doesn't mean I think that Christian Slater can do no wrong. And and Robin we've, Hood, Prince we've of discovered Thieves, that he can. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is definitely a a. a, a Proof in the pudding. I, I, I think that's his worst performance so far that we've watched. So far, now just to give you a little, the, our dear listeners, a little bit of a, a, a lineage. We have since the quarantine watched uh, Broken Arrow, which is a, a guarantee. That's a great time. You're never gonna. That miss might it. be his finest yeah. movie ever. So far, it's up there. I uh, think. Yeah, I think the one we watched this past week was the best so I, far. I um, I tend to agree. Um, yeah. Which was funny because it followed maybe the worst movie I've ever seen, the yeah. the Wizard, the yeah. the Fred Savage. That's a whole. That's that's. There's a novel in that one. Like that that movie is so fucked up and confused, and gross. Yeah. And I didn't feel good about it. And I tried to like erase my like search history afterwards. It's very. It's got like yeah. a lot of a lot of weird undertones. Um, before that, we yeah. watched Hard Rain, which I was highly disappointed by. I think we both were. Not a good movie. And Actually, a really bad movie. A bad movie. Although, although uh, it has it has some moments. It's the first time I've ever seen Betty White as an asshole, uh, like an unlikable. She really, movie. she really goes for it, um, <laughs> but she also plays like a really kind of common sort of misogynistic trope of you know the kind of shrew who lives with like a henpecked woman. It was, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, and everybody has, but, a tur- everyone has a turn. Everyone goes, yeah. from, is, is the opposite of what you think they're going to be. Uh, yeah. And then we there's watched, a, oh, there's ahead, a character go. in that movie. Like it's one of those movies where someone who is presumably like kind of just going about their day to day business and maybe kind of being a jerk just by the end of the movie you, is revealed to basically be the most evil person ever. Like it's not, and in this case is played by Randy Quaid. So <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> Which Randy Quaid is already one of the most terrible people ever. Yeah. And just watching him fulfill it, you're like, Oh, maybe this is how I'll like Randy Quaid, but it's not even as a villain, a super villain. He's still kind of just horrible. Uh, terrible. Everyone. But I will say hard rain. Morgan Freeman is hot. He's very like, sexy. He looks really good. Yeah, he's going for it. He's got the earrings, yeah. the, the mismatched earrings. Yeah, he brings it. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, and then we watched Mobsters, um, which was yeah. a replacement for Gleaming the Cube, which we got baited and switched by Amazon Prime. And Mobsters, no, it was a. Rep- I think I think the Wizard was a replacement oh, for Gleaming right. the Cube. Mobsters was a replacement for the name of the rose, and I'm still <laughs> I'm still bitter over it. But you did get to see, you, John had never John never knew who Anthony Quinn was. John was um, oblivious to the to the one of the greatest actors of all time, Anthony Quinn, in in possibly <laughs> his finest role too, uh, where he just freewheels it throughout the whole thing. It is a tour de force. We. I, I could sense yeah. John's glee every time Anthony Quinn's face appeared on screen. Like it was incredible. It was incredible. So a, a little, a, a fun, a, that was a fun little roller coaster. We sort of were maybe losing steam. We went, we went really late this week or last week. I wasn't even sure if we were going to get, a, if we were going to get a Slater in, but Chris had, had mentioned on the podcast, the movie cuffs, which I had never seen. And John had never seen, so we said we're cuffing it up. And guess, yes, I guess yes, what? we're getting cuffed. And we got cu- we're, get- <laughs> we're a couple of cuff holds. Uh, and, yeah, 
We... Some some beta cuff guys. <laughs> cuff boys, I think we're called. Cuff, cuff boys, cuff yeah. Cuff boys. Uh, and these cuff boys loved cuffs, Chris. So yeah. kudos to you for that recommendation. I don't know if you've even yeah, ever thank seen you the for movie. cuffing us. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, because fuck, because fuck, other guys. fucking cuff, what cuffs was incredible. And John, I just want you to go ahead and give your your full synopsis on this. I, I you are you are far more eloquent than I am, uh, and I think you really got the most out of this movie, and probably have the best, most in depth uh, sort of review possible. I got a lot out of this movie. I, I'm going to give just a few kind of scattered examples of its brilliance. So the, the, the bad guy's henchman, his name is Kane. And at multiple points in the movie, he wears T-shirts with his sh- face on the shirt. His own face. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, his own face. So he's a criminal who kind of walks around with like a, a shirt with his face on it. Um, and at one point, like, just like shoots a machine gun for like a really long time at at Christian Slater's like nice San Francisco apartment. It's a gorgeous um, apartment. They also they also don't they acknowledge the fact that he has like Kane's fashion comes up multiple times throughout the movie. It does. It does. At another point, he's got like a, a shirt with like an enormous patch of with like an image of an old like bicycle wheel on it. It's super weird. Um, and Christian Slater is into it. He gives I, him props. Yeah, you can't not. <laughs> It's crazy. He, yeah. Kane is the character in the movie that could get away with wearing what he's wearing now. Like he is, he's got, yes. the, he's, it's a very, so just a, a quick, a quick side note. The movie is set in San Francisco in 1992. Uh, and it's got a, it's very, there's a very San Francisco undertone to it. Uh, yes. I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but you kind of have to watch the movie. It's also very well. Uh, it's, it's one of the, the, the nicest scouted movies like every shot is very purposeful and in a beautiful location at the right time of day yeah it looks great it actually looks like a really it looks too good for like a you know forgotten 90s movie that's just like you know basically some b-grade like quentin tarantino kind of crap like it looks great um the thing that I would say about the bad guy and Kane and about the kind of San Francisco vibe is that the, the, the bad guy's plot is like stealing modern art and then selling it. At, you know, at one point they, they get together on the roof of a parking garage Spoiler and are selling like Andy Warhol paintings to, you know, to, I don't know, a, a collector. I just said it was very weird. The collectors have machine guns too. Um, but the bad guy is like, if they were at an art gallery, y- yes, now, also in the early 90s, you know, they would look like they were in the right place. Um, if they were at like a modern art gallery, it's pretty incredible. It's incredible. It's also incredible the way that they uh, sort of haphazardly mishandle all of the artwork. First of all, they roll, yeah. they roll it up to smuggle it, which I don't think you would do with a, a Monet. Uh, and then they just lay it out on the ground. <laughs> For for the other person to see, they're like, "Here's the here's the Warhol. It's on top of the Monet, underneath the Basquiat. Like it's it's this is this is also after storing it in a laundromat, which is like a dry cleaners and slash like you know pick up drop off laundry service, which is presumably like a pretty harsh environment for painted canvases. You know, lots of both both heat and moisture. That's semantics. Anyway. So other uh, b- so besides Kane John there's a lot of great characters in this movie. It's true. It's true. One of which I know you I don't know if you're saving this for the last but I, you know it's almost like Christian Slater's just the vehicle for other incredible performances. Like he's he's there to create relationships with different people throughout. But one really stood out to you and I know you want to speak to it because I think it might be one of your favorite I, I, you, fact, you want to talk about Ted? I want to talk about Ted. <laughs> Ted is, you know, you know what we were saying about the, the guy in the other movie who starts off as just being a normal person and then ends up being a really terrible person. Like, Ted is, is one of those turns in, over the course of a movie where the guy who you thought 
would be, you know, Christian Slater's foe, you know, maybe somebody who is going to cramp his style, like slow down his game. Ends up actually being a really good friend. I was kind of moved by the evolution of Ted. I wish there this movie had a ch- has so much spinoff potential. A, yeah. A, a Ted and a Ted and Cuffs spinoff would have, a buddy cop movie would have been incredible. Uh, they have of, real chemistry. Christian Slater kind of has chemistry with everybody in this movie. He really does. Like the cool thing about Christian Slater is is that he's not a he's a very transparent actor. So you can tell when he's not enjoying being in a scene with someone and when he is. Like he like in The Wizard when he's every time he's on camera with Bo Bridges, he's like he's barely there. He's barely even yeah. like paying yeah. attention. He's kind of just ad-libbing shit. Uh but when he's when he finds some chemistry like with uh with Ted who's played by the actor I don't remember his name. He was the bad guy in Ghost and the president in like Scandal. Tony Goldwyn. What's his name? Tony Goldwyn. Tony. Yeah, that's right. That's what right. a tour de force by Tony Goldwyn. What it's so always plays like the bad, the kind of like the bad or like the, the smarmy kind of the he guy does. you just you dislike. And that's what he starts as in this movie. But then he's just he's got oh. so many layers. There's he's fucking his boss's wife. He's like he's a loose cannon. Uh, it's it's but he's also very like aware. It's it's kind of crazy. He's a ball buster. Uh, and then, and then Ted's, here's a weird ter- turn. Uh, Ted's boss is, not the boss his, whose wife he fucks, his immediate boss, who I guess is the police chief, is played by Troy Evans. Uh, and if you don't know Troy Evans, I don't blame you, but Troy Evans went to high school with my parents. <laughs> so seeing Kalispell native <laughs> Troy Evans oh, on the screen. yeah, this guy. Also was a huge moment, like just added just that one other cup of sugar. To, he's great to, in it to too. and he's great everybody's yeah. very hu- humane i don't know how to say that any better like they're just they're like even kane ha- is sort of likable right like yeah as a bad guy you're kind of like you get a little bit of personality like he just is who he is he's kane yeah you know and and the the you know the main bad guy who i'm not gonna mention who it is because i don't want to spoil the surprise for anyone who's yet to be cuffed but um <laughs> The, the main bad guy, when he confronts Christian Slater, he's like, Kane was my best friend. Like, you killed my best friend. Like, everybody gets to be the good guy in, you know, everybody has their own version of the story where they're actually the good guy. I think that it's there's, great. I think that this is just the Cuffs version of this universe. There's a sim- similar movie called Kane that could have been made from the Kane perspective. Yeah, exactly. And a, exactly. Like, a, a, or yeah. Ted. Like, they're, they're, yeah. Each character is developed throughout the movie in the weirdest, most sensitive and genuine way, except for Mila Jovovich, who I think yeah. because her accent was so bad, they, they really just kind of made her into like a, she's just kind of a sex pot. Uh, she's, she's kind of in a different movie, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but no, you're totally right. Like it's, it's one of those movies where every little interaction and every little scene you kind of want more of whatever that person is bringing to the movie. Like at one point, Christian Slater orders a, a flower, flower delivery and the florist, you're just like, oh, I want to know this person's whole story. Like make a movie about that guy. The florist it's is a, it's one of the greatest. I, and I don't want to spoil it. I think you should just watch it to that point. The florist in a, like has a, has a sort of a mind changing moment with the character that's, cuffs coming in to buy flowers who comes in with a very crass order and in his exchange with the florist and and just sort of thinking about life in general uh changes his crass order to something more sensitive that's going to work and he's encouraged by this florist it's 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 something more genuine too. something incredibly genuine and and that sort of i think that that scene embodies what cuffs is it, it's yeah. like you go in expecting this like tongue-in-cheek crass sex joke like you know shoot 'em up thriller ish kind of like buddy movie thing or whatever the fuck ferris bueller on steroids in the 90s uh and your mind gets changed and and the, and everybody changes everyone kind of grows up a little bit in the movie so Cups especially so yeah, i got i got a couple comments here to throw in here okay one from what you just said it sounds like this is sort of like the someone wanted to remake like beverly hills cop but with christian slater well, funny you should say that because 
the uh, soundtrack is uh, is I can't remember, his name's escaping me. John, who did the soundtrack? Harold Faltermeyer. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> the same guy that that wrote Axel F. Oh, okay. So there's um, there are some similarities there. There probably is some. They probably yeah. Someone was probably got wind of that script or saw how how popular it was. Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know if it came out before this or something, but it feels like one of those movies that probably were maybe making or came around the same time. You know, like the ideas. You know, like a lot of movies have like twins that kind of come out like around the same time. Like a white Beverly Hills Cop. That was what what I thought from the beginning. That's what, that was my initial reaction. Yeah, uh, and that's, like, it, it kind of follows that. It sets like, up that way, a little but bit. then it goes to a different place, Chris. Well, so and then to that kind of note, then maybe is that, and you were kind of saying this is like looking from the Kane perspective of it. I've always kind of had that notion of like, what if you made. Sort of, it's it's a it's a really sort of deep concept here. But you make the same movie, but from two or three different perspectives. I mean, this right? is and this is the perfect example of a movie that should be done that way. This is yeah, like like could you ever pull that off? I've always wondered. Could you like there's certain movies where you look at it and you're like, oh man, that would be so great if they just they did you know they showed it from this perspective or this other character. So like to me now you're saying that like I wonder if you could and or at that point now at this point then instead of going back and doing it and just recreate the movie like remake it. Because they're remaking everything nowadays. Like, could you remake this movie, but yet sort of spin it from the other side? I would love nothing more. I just don't think you'd be able to capture. Things have changed in in the last twenty eight years too much. I I don't I don't know. There's John. What do you think? You know, I think that I think that Cuffs already does that. I think it gives you kind of enough of the other people's perspectives just by giving everybody a little bit of a moment, and. Um, and you kind of you get to see how like the world is sort of shaped around cuffs to begin with. Like you already get the sort of other people's perspectives on your character. But yeah, you couldn't make a movie like that in San Francisco now. It would just it would be what if, what if it's what if it's cuff, what if it's cuffed too? Cuffed, cuffed even harder. Cuffs this is <laughs> cuffed. Cuffs is, Cuffs so hard. Cuffs is <laughs> cuffed. Uh, yeah, I don't think you, I. I just don't know if you could recapture that glory. It is. It is a. It also has like this sort of very obvious, but kind of, but kind of subtle as well. Uh, film noir. Like there are these. There's very film noir. Like not tropes, but like cut right out of the film noir playbook. Uh, scenes that are shot very obviously as a as a tribute to film noir. Uh, which also sort of feels appropriate with the San Francisco backdrop uh, that yeah. doesn't overtake the movie. It's just another nice thing to look at in this movie. It's it's surprisingly fucking like even this weird scene where they bleep out all of the swear words works, and I don't even yeah. know how. It sounds like the most terrible idea, but it actually is pretty funny. Yeah, it works. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so, I kind of have to. Go, I have to go back and watch this movie. Now. Well, that's you, the, it's worth watching. That's the point. Is you, Chris? You will fucking love this movie. You will <laughs> absolutely love this movie. It is. A, it is. The, I. I. I want to say I'd rather watch this than Broken Arrow. I. I dare. Dare. It's I a better. Say. It's a better movie. It's wow. a better movie. I uh, think. John, this is great. Uh, John, I know your your time is limited. Uh, yes, and, and, I, I'm. Uh, I'm running out of time here. Uh, but uh, do, do you have any final? I don't think we've decided on our next movie though yet. Right. Well, I thought you were well, saying in the name of the rose, Chris. What, go ahead. So you, I mean, you guys seem to be very heavy '90s Slater centric oh, with your movie know. choices. This I don't true. know if we have other options. Well, yeah, at some point you're gonna have to you have to gonna have to get out of the '90s, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> no way, man! So many he has. No way, man! <laughs> All right, Chris. Do you want to go ahead and pick our next uh, Slater later Slater? There's a few here that I'm looking at, like the two, the early two thousands are are kind of it's slim pickings, but I think it's, I think it's kind of where you got to go here a little bit. And what do you what do you suggest? Go ahead. I, uh, I well, I so I recommended like last week. I think to Chris, I think I remember. I, I said, how about very bad things, John? No, 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 no. John refuses to watch that movie. And why I do you love it? So I, I love know why it. Sucks. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Although I, I haven't seen it movie. in probably twenty years, so I don't know if I'll still enjoy it or not. But I've already, and these are only we're only. Oh, I guess Broken Arrow was a rewatch for me, but I, I'm preferring to stick with the new Slater, and I'm I can never rewatch very bad things. Okay, uh, three thousand miles to Graceland. Yes, I'm, yes, what? I would do it. I would do it. I'll, let's huh. do it. That sounds like a perfect yeah. one. 
Yeah. Because yeah. I think I've seen chunks of it, but probably not. Is it's, Jeremy Piven I think it's in that really movie? bad, but it's just kind of... I've seen it's like it, but it's fun. Been a long it's a fun, time. stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. been a long yeah. time for me too. I think that feels like a perfect one. So let's do it. All yeah, right, yeah. great. We've got it. We've Chris. Thank you so much for suge- <laughs> suggesting cuffs to begin with. This, yeah, this thanks magic, for cuffing me. This magic wouldn't have happened without your My ability pleasure. to to cuff the shit out of me and cuff the <laughs> shit out of John. I love it, uh, John. Oh, thank you so okay. much. You're you're one of thanks, a kind, guys. and it's it was great to have you on the show again. Thanks, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll, maybe I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, let's do it. I, yeah, I guess. But well, that was that was fun. That was. It's nice to have John back on the show. It is great to have John back on the show. And Chris, thank you for taking a bit of a backseat. I know that we kind of steamrolled you on that. No, it's okay. I just went and got a sandwich and a Bloody Mary. Well, there's no, no better way to celebrate <laughs> one of the most important days of the year. And I think you want to make today an actual national holiday. Is that true? That's correct, Chris. I have a proclamation. I love this proclamation. Spoiler alert, I know what it is. April 23rd, from this day forth, shall forever be known as Dame Day. Dame Day! Because on this day one year ago, Chris, Dame Lillard threw a three-pointer in the eye of Russell Westbrook to, to knock him out of the playoffs in the first round. And I don't think I could have been happier about anything in my entire life. It is one of the greatest shots of all time. I would say second only to another shot that happened on April 23rd. Go back to what? 2014, April 23rd. Dame does it for the first time. If you look back, Dame had a fucking lights out game winner on, on April 23rd, 2014 as well. That's incredible. Isn't that insane? I, 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 that's, I, I'm almost speechless now. He, I don't even, he knocks I did the not Houston know that Rockets. He knocks the Houston Rockets out of the playoffs. The first, the first playoff round victory, or sorry, the first advance, I guess playoff advancing. I don't even know how I'm trying to say this. First, first time, first team to the first time the Portland Trailblazers had advanced in the playoffs in 14 years Ooh. was April 23rd, what? 2014. This has got to be Dame Day. It's Dame Day. It's definitely Dame Day. Ah, can you fucking believe that? So today, happy Dame Day to you. Now, what I recommend you do is go back. There's, I think if you go on like Hoops Hype or one of those uh, YouTube channels, you can watch the two uh, April 23rd shots, which are five years apart uh, oh. next to each other. I think that you're, I think Dame last year shooting from basically half court in jo- Paul George's face is the, is the more thrilling of the days plus fuck OKC. Yeah, but I remember watching that that Houston Rockets one, like it was late at night. It was also at home, and I it was just like the place fucking went nuts. Like that shot, like then they cut to like Dwight Howard, and it just feels great. It's a and it, like <laughs> I mean it's it feels great. Yeah, I can't believe that they're the same exact date, same day. I thought you do when you said no. I just today did the one day. I was like, oh my God, it is. I, I'm just happy about the last year. I totally forgot about the one he did against, against Houston, though. Yeah. So fucking Dame Man. Day. Cement it. Day. Put it, get it tattooed. Yeah. It, it's a, yeah. It is Dame Day. I think day. every year, I think we'll, we'll have to like re honor and, and, you know, kind of bring this back up every year to, to make sure that, you know, Dame Day lives on year Dame by year. Dame Day should definitely live on. I'm going to put on my Dames today and wear them around the house. There you go. Yeah, because I, I, the my favorite part, what my favorite part of the of, of the 2019 Dame, is that he had the wherewithal to mug coming out of the bottom of the pileup after he makes mm-hmm. the shot. Exactly that picture. The picture's icy. I love it. I think mm. it was one of our show picks. Uh, I think it was. I think it was a year ago today. I man, so does this mean that like every five years Dame does this kind it of could, a thing? I was wondering the same thing. If it happens a third time, brain. lose my mind. Same damn brain, Chris. Same damn brain. Uh, Dame Day's the shit. And I, I love this idea. So, so uh, the proclamation is passed, and we are officially announcing this as Dame Day. Case this closed. is like the perfect thing to tweet out under our show yeah. uh, social media accounts. So people will bite it. So people will bite it and even tag uh, Dame Lillard in it. Let's do it. Yep. 
All right, I'm going to do it, Chris. If we get the show up today, I'll do it. (laughs) We're going to do it too. Okay. (laughs) Um, So moving right past Dame Day, which is impossible to do. Also, good job on getting past MLB. Let's not fucking talk about it. No, Uh, it's just stupid. There's just, it's, no, no. We can talk about all sorts of boring shit, and that doesn't need to be one of them. We talked about enough stupid things today, Chris. Joey Cora. So I, I had an idea for a, a, a segment on the show, um, and I wondered if you would be so interested as to, uh, as to join me in this stupid uh, hypothetical. It's not actually a hypothetical. It's just it's, it's something I saw. It was an a Onion um, AV Club article from a bunch of years ago, and it was a cool premise, which was, what's one artist that you dislike that's made something you love? So... For example, I think one of the examples was like Garth Brooks did like a this Chris Gaines record where you know it was like <laughs> it's undeniable or or I don't remember like it was basically like has has and Friends in Low Places song which is oh you know, is that, everyone yeah, everyone not love you can hate song. Garth Brooks like for me like an art like David Allen Coe has like one of the greatest songs but as a human being he's a piece of shit uh, so you know he's an artist I hate that did a song I love what song is it. Uh, it's a, you don't call me by my name. Mm, okay. It's a great song. Okay. So I pose this question to you from a sports angle. Sure. So I, so I just stole and changed a little bit. Perfectly normal, natural. Evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stole and changed it. And I asked you if there were any athletes that had disliked anything, or an athlete that you disliked that did something that you loved. And, and it's a broad question. It could be, you know, it could be like from a social standpoint it could be like a player you hate that like gave a lot of money to charity carmelo anthony uh it could be it could be like a player that did one thing that you enjoyed one time like a single play or it could be mm-hmm. a player doing something in one game or a series or or anything it's really just like i've had those moments where i'm like i fucking hate this guy but i have to give it up to him or girl uh, i have to give it up to them uh i know i had a couple but i wanted to know what yours were so I, yeah, it's, it's a great question actually. And I, and I, I really liked it and I, I sort of took it to heart and I, the problem I kept coming back to with is that like, I, I have a trouble sort of separating these moments with the, with the, from the player. Like if, Ooh. so if I'm not, um, if I don't really like the player, never enjoy the player, I'm not usually sort of watching them or paying attention to them or rooting for them, even if it is like a good moment. And, and my sort of my, um, my kind of one example, I guess would be sort of like John Elway. Right. Okay. Is that I, I know he's, he's probably one of the top. Uh, so this is actually sort of a, I don't even know if this is sort of telling on myself in a way, but he's one of the, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And I, I put him up there probably in the top, in my top three. Okay. Um, so in that sense, like I, but I can't stand him and I always rooted against him because I was a Seahawks fan and the Broncos and Seahawks had a rivalry back, you know, early, from the eighties. So what you're saying is you appreciate his, gr- are you recognize his I, greatness, but you hate him as a player. Yeah, exactly. And I could never root for him. And even like, even though he won a couple of Super Bowls eventually and all those kinds of things, like I couldn't ever root for him. Um, so it's sort of, it's, it's a little maybe after the fact that like, if you gave me one quarterback to choose for, from, you know, to like. I don't know, greatest of all time or start a team with, or, you know, one of those kind of stupid hypothetical questions like Elway would be at the top of one of the top of my list. That's good. That's a good point. I can't, you know, I hate him so fucking much that until and he's this, a terrible general manager, until this or, moment, I didn't like really, I would never choose him to be my starting quarterback. But now when I, while listening to you talk, I remember like people being like, he throws so accurately and so hard that your hands, like your was, balls in yeah. your fucking hands before you even know it. And he was an incredible athlete. Like he, he was a runner before that was even like possibly in vogue. Scrambling was like the scrambling was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And like those, but like, you know, that, that, though, that comeback against Cleveland and stuff like I would never, I never, I don't appreciate that. So, and this is kind of where I'm going back to my original thought is that I can't appreciate that moment because I was always rooting against him. Okay. So you're kind of not, you're not doing this. Yeah, it's weird, right? So, like, that's my, that's my thing. Is like I have a hard time, sort of, um, sort of like single moments where I where I can't stand the guy, but I appreciate that moment he gave me because you can't I can't root for that moment, okay? Because of the because of who the player is, okay? But I I kind of got a little deeper, and it's maybe it's a little more nuanced or abstract in the, in these thoughts. Um, and and one of them is sort of like you know the Celtics winning I think what is it two thousand eight NBA championship over the Lakers. 
Because I think I hated the Lakers so much more than the Celtics that I didn't want the Lakers to win another championship that I was sort of just rooting for the Celtics. Right. Um, but I, I, I kept dialing it in more and more. But they as they didn't go along. win, did they? Huh? Did the Celtics win that series? Uh, yeah. Was it? Um, I thought or two thousand ten. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. Two, no. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Celtics won uh, four to two against okay. the Lakers. God. Anyway, so I kept dialing it down like Barry Bonds. I didn't. I never really liked Barry Bonds. You know, I was a Griffey guy. I think, and I think back in the nineties, there you always you kind of chose be one or the other kind of thing. And but I appreciated sort of that ho- that home run season with him and Bond or McGuire and 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 Sosa, yeah, right. And I never sort of was I, I was never sort of rooting for them naturally, but I I really did enjoy I like I was fixated and I was and I uh, and I was I was all in on that season like watching that home run sort of accumulate for all three of those players right and battling it out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I well so I'm I might be misremembering that I always remember it being like Sosa and McGuire. And they went at it, and McGuire won, and then then they all kind of tried again, and Bonds just crushed them all. Right? Is that is that how that worked? Because wasn't there a season where it was just McGuire and Sosa going for it, like going you for Harris's record? Actually, I don't even remember to be honest with you the whole the exact details of that. I don't know if it was all the same season or if it was they they maybe they battled out to beat Barry Bonds' home run record. I think it's funny is that you should bring up Barry Bonds because in in thinking about it, I always hated Barry Bonds. I never really rooted for him. I definitely didn't root for him to break the record because I was like, boo. Uh, but now that he's locked out of the Hall of Fame, I totally root for him just because I think it's asinine. Like I, yeah, exactly. Him right? being yeah. locked out of the Hall of Fame it might be the one thing that I appreciate about his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like, yeah, he was an, he was an asshole and he, and he was okay with it. And he knew it. So it's like, what, you know, sort of like maybe we shouldn't just hate him so much, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know. So anyway, those are kind of my, that's kind of where I kind of started where all this, and then my mind kind of expanded a little bit to, I, I, I kind of narrowed it down actually to, I, I th- I'll take three things. Okay, let's have them. Actually, there's, I'll make it four because the one more is, Ooh, is the Lakers, four. the Lakers of the eighties. Okay. Uh, which is, I never liked the, the Lakers. Okay. I loved Kareem and I loved magic, but as, as a team, as a whole, I never rooted for them. I never necessarily wanted them to win, yep. but they were so fun to watch. For sure. They were incredible. For the, sure. the showtime, the, the, the running, you know, up and down the floor, like Kurt that, Rambis. The, the team, the what? <laughs> Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis. <laughs> oh God. How could you not love Kurt Rambis? Um, so yeah, so I appreciated sort of that, what they were, what they did during those times, but I never rooted for them though. Okay. But I did enjoy watching them play. Okay. Um, kind of, you're getting closer. Yeah. I'm getting, I think I'm, yeah, exactly. And then, so then I think I start hitting this a lot closer. Here is uh, is Mike Tyson. Okay. Like him, I never sort of, I never liked him as a boxer Ditto. when he was boxing. Ditto. I never enjoyed him. I didn't like him at all. His whole, like his whole attitude and aggression, like yeah. the whole thing, the persona, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, but you could not not watch his fights. Yeah. And it's the only time I've ever watched boxing is just basically to watch Tyson. That's, I, that's a good example. It's a great example. It's not necessarily like a particular moment in time, but it is, it's putting aside your personal preferences yeah. to, to bask in greatness. Must see yeah. TV, if you will. Right. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, um, it's, uh, oh, I got, all right, I'll go with the, the ultimate one though, I think is, well, so, and this is, it's, this is more again, like overall thing, but it's Vince McMahon. Just, it, you just, just Vince McMahon. I cannot stand him. I despise him. I think he's one of the worst human beings of all time, probably. Uh, but I love wrestling. And I don't love it as much as I used to. But that, even now, knowing what I know about him and who he is as a person and what he's done and all these other things, like I can't help but still enjoy what he sort of brought to the world as a, as, as a, as a cultural phenomenon. That's... Uh, wow. Even after the whole XFL, like you... You hate the XFL more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy that the XFL has gone away for the second time. Wow, you really, that's cool. But, but he, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. It wasn't going to work, man. It wasn't going to work. It's not blaming everybody. It's not blaming the, this coronavirus, the pandemic. That That's why the XFL is going away. Obviously they were having problems, right? Like he was losing money hand over fist here. Let's he just, was going to file for chapter seven of bankruptcy here. 
Like, I'm not sure that this ruined chapter him for seven, next chapter 27, chapter 11, whatever you want right. to call it. It doesn't uh, matter what chapter he like filed. Yeah. I, I, I'm just glad we're talking about XFL and I weaseled it into another podcast for the 700th week in a row. <laughs> next week we'll be talking, we're interviewing Oliver Luck to get his, uh, <laughs> which is a weird name when you think about it. It's basically Oliver close off. Like I want Oliver Luck, like la- lady luck. Ooh. I want Oliver Luck. <laughs> it's a weird name. Oliver just, if you have a normal, if you have like a, a noun as a last name, you can't name your kid Oliver. Like, right? Oliver Dix. E- Oliver Dix e- would be the craziest <laughs> name ever. Like, I want Oliver. She's Oliver Dix. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And then my final one for you, Chris. Is I think I think you'll appreciate this one, and it's not he's not he's not an athlete, but okay. he's in the sports genre. Okay, and that's that's Mike Francesa. Oh wow, wow, that's a so you you are go ahead and explain because I I I have a similar thing. Okay, because so he he I can't stand him. I can't stand listening to him, right? Especially now, right? Or or in the last like f- you know ten years probably right. or something. Sure. Like he's such a blowhard, full of himself, egotistical, just s- son of a bitch, right? Uh, and I think the whole thing. I even you know like, and I didn't know him necessarily sort of growing up and listening to him like in the nineties and early two thousands because we didn't get him over in the West Coast. Right. So I I I sort of and I wasn't raised on this style of sort of sports radio necessarily. Right. This was a very unique thing for a long period of time, I think to New York and to Mike and the mad dog, but even going back and listening to him and I'm like, Oh my God, even when he was on like, I think he was on CBS, like on the pregame football shows and all those kinds of things, whatever. Like I, I just can't stand listening to him and his, and his takes. Right. And he thinks he's so smart and all this other stuff, but what he has done for sports radio, and what he did and, and sort of, and everyone started emulating him, you know, probably from that is incredible. And that is something to sort of appreciate. There's a definite, he brings this bravado and sort of like, unfor, like he's unapologetic in his delivery yeah. and the way he mm-hmm. does things. You that, can't help it sort of like be, to gravitate. Yeah. Him. It's weird, right? Like they, yeah. I, I, I know it's probably the reason Trump's it's like when you see like the old, it's kind of like when you see like the old white fat dudes who are at restaurants and they're like obnoxious, but they've got like five, like really attractive women around them. Yeah. And people and are like, like, how's this guy pulling all this stuff? And it's because it's, it's that bravado and it's yeah. that sort of attitude and like, yeah. it's true. And it's probably because you know, like all the like thousands of dollars in his pocket, you know, too, maybe a little bit, but maybe I don't know. That's you know a, he's just kind of buying everybody's you really, like enjoyment. You really took this to like a, a, a bizarrely po- poetic level. I, I feel I feel like ashamed to tell you what mine mine are because you were like, you like sort of like made this like more, a little more esoteric. Esoteric, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll t- I'll tell you mine, but I f- just bring it. I want to know them because I I'll have I think I'll have further thoughts because you you sort of dialed this in more like to the true form and it, it kind of it'll make me sort of maybe think of things in that in that way a little more. Okay, so so since you brought up Francesa, I'll start with my with with a Yankee. Uh, and and a player who I can't stand, which is Derek Jeter. But on mm-hmm. July first, two thousand and four, in a in the twelfth inning of a game against uh, the Red Sox, I was watching this game for some reason, and Jeter chases down a foul ball, for, at, like full speed and dive. I think they call it the dive or something like that. When he just dives head, catches the ball, and his momentum forces him to dive head first into the stands. Yeah, and fucks up his face, catches the ball. The fans immediately give him a standing O. Uh, and to me, that was, I was like, I fucking hate Cheater, but holy shit, that guy plays hard as fuck. Like, that is, that was just pure growing up as a kid playing baseball instincts. He had to chase that ball down. It wasn't a playoff game. It was just him being a badass in that moment and being great in that moment and sacrificing himself in that moment. I don't like him still. But that I, I remember in when it happened, I was like, "Holy shit!" All right, Derek Jeter, I give you that. Yeah, one. He bleed from his chin and his cheek. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching it right now in the replay. Yeah, it's incredible. You're right; it is incredible. And I don't like Jeter either. 
but it's sort of, I don't see, that's the problem is like, I, I'm not, I guess that's where I'm, that's where I kind of lag on these things, I guess. Cause I'm not thinking about like, man, that was such an incredible play. You know, like I appreciate Jeter in that moment. Like, I don't think I do. Okay. I think I just, I just don't like those players. So I, I sort of don't, you don't give them credit and that's, I don't give them credit. And the, that's, the only one I will, I will consider. And, and we sort of, um, it sort of is Jordan maybe. Well, that's it's like, I've never enjoyed Jordan. I always thought he, I always growing up and through the nineties and stuff, I always sort of thought him as a little overrated. Right. Agreed. Which is insane. I know. It's an insane take. It's the same thought, but you're a kid and you're sort of like, I never, I never liked Jordan, but to watch him play, I was always, and that's the problem. Was I was always rooting against same, him. Same. I even rooted for him against the jazz who I also hated. Like, yeah. I, right. I, was I, like, I didn't want anybody to win that series. I didn't want anyone to win that series either. I remember being super depressed about basketball that year, which yeah. is a nice thing yeah. about the last dance is because it's forcing me to like watch these games where I like, was just as a kid getting so fucking mad, yeah, like, yeah. so mad. Yeah. yeah, in that show they replayed Pippen dunking on Barkley, and I remember watching yep. that play and being like, yep. "Fuck you, Pippen, and fuck <laughs> you, Barkley, for taking it." Yeah. Like, so it's it's that's the one thing I'll say. And when I know we're not talking about the Last Dance because it's talked to death, but like mm-hmm. that was a that I I completely agree with you, and and so I guess that's an example of right now is like, maybe I'm appreciating Jordan. Uh, I also appreciate he's just a crazy gambler, uh, but crazy, crazy. Yes. Fuck it. Cool. That they're talking about him, like taking fucking Danny Ainge's money the night before a game. It's great. Uh, It's great. Yeah. All right. So in that vein, I guess, uh, and I've talked about this a million times on the pod and I won't, I, I won't, uh, beat it to death, but it was an example that I gave you. Uh, and I'll just say it out loud as was Kobe's last game. Uh, Uh I fucking hated Kobe Bryant to, to, to no end. All up and down when he was when he was arrested i was like send him to jail like I, obviously like i hated yep. him always but yep. but the for some reason the night of his last game was also the night that the warriors were going to break the the bulls records for most wins in a regular season game and that's where everyone's attention was and i was watching this lakers game and who in that game, you have to remember, like they were the Lakers were down nine with four with seven minutes left. Kobe hadn't even hit fifty; he was like at forty five. And I know that the stats don't line up, and I know that everyone always poo pooed this game until after Kobe died. But they're still down two with or down eight with two minutes left. And and then Kobe just fucking. It's not just that Kobe like goes to the line a bunch. I mean, he gets a sixtieth point from the line, but he fucking goes nuts. And and the the uh, the crowds fucking going ape shit, and I was feeling it like I was like, oh my god! In Kobe's last game, I'm gonna watch this fucking magic moment happen, and no one was giving a shit. And it's just if you if you have a chance, you can I think you can watch like the last eight minutes online. Just do yourself mm-hmm. a favor because it's got great moments. Hayward misses what would have been a game winning layup, which I fucking love. Uh, Snoop Dogg's losing his mind. Like Snoop Dogg's just like just losing his mind. Like he's so like the more it goes on, the more they're showing Snoop. Cause he's just like fully into it. Jay's there. His wife and kids are Kobe's wife and kids are there. Like Jack's there. It's a, it's a, it's a great Laker moment. And it was one of those moments where like before and after I ne- couldn't give a shit about Kobe. But in that moment I was like fucking recognize greatness. Mm. Yeah. I Yeah. See, I you're back at it. You can't do it. You can't, See, I can't. I don't moment. like. I don't appreciate it. Like he just he went off and he he was going to score sixty points that game. I feel like he was just because it was all about him and that night, and he was just going to do whatever he, he kind of wanted to do. Like I didn't. I don't know. Okay, dude. But I appreciate I appreciate how you are able to appreciate that. I'm though. not that, trying. To, that's incredible to me. This is not a sales pitch, and you. No, I know. I respect. I know. You. I res- What I respect most about fans, and one thing I respect about you a lot, is that you will hate something for no apparent reason just because you hate it and you'll stick to that. Like you are, it's like art or something, you know, like you just, I don't, you know what you like, you know what you like. So, so let me, this is a a similar example, but, but one that you might appreciate more, um, is the Vince Carter 20 or 2000 dunk contest. Uh, so in 2000, I, there wasn't a player I hated more on earth than Vince Carter. Uh, he was, he was sort of a rival to Iverson um, I did not appreciate Toronto then. I'll never appreciate Toronto now. Uh, I've since appreciate Vince Carter for his longevity, uh, what he represents, sort of how he got railroaded in his career. Like I, 
but at that point, I fucking couldn't stand Vince Carter and and the, the shoes, the dunk contest. <laughs> I had a pair. They were I shit. Know. Remember, Vin, I remember Vince. Vince Carter. Talked about it. So so Vince Carter in that dunk contest, the 2000 dunk contest. It's it's Vince Carter, uh, Tracy McGrady, Steve Francis. Uh, I think Stackhouse is in. I can't remember who else. Uh, and Larry Hughes, who I was rooting for. Um, but as the thing progressed, as Larry Hughes immediately was kicked out because he sucked. Uh, Vince Carter just elevates. It just keeps continuing to elevate. And it's not like T-Mac and Franchise were doing lame dunks. Either one of those guys would have won on any other given year. And this is also a year where you had to have a player on your team do a... You had to have like a combo play. So you uh. had to pick someone. And T-Mac and Vince Carter choose each other and they're, root, they're playing against each other. That's So incredible. it's amazing to watch. And it's like... It is... I mean... Steve Francis has maybe one of the most incredible dunks ever in that, but still like I remember in that moment being like, I just, what the fuck else is Vince Carter going to do? Like, what else is he going to do? Even with Mm -hmm. everything happening, like all these amazing dunks, he just had so much confidence and he does like the, there's the it's over dunk Mm -hmm. where he's just like, he says it's over. There's a dunk where like Isaiah Thomas jumps over the scorer's table to like, to give him a high five. He does the arm in the rim dunk, which I don't think Mm -hmm. I've ever seen since. Uh, so, and then, and then, and that was it. Like, then I was like, oh shit. Like I, I, to this day appreciate like how much effort and how much greatness he lended to something as banal as the fucking dunk contest. <laughs> it was amazing. It, it was. And, um, and, and you actually, it, and I, let's see, I love Vince Carter anyway from the beginning. So yeah, I, exactly. it, it's, th- that's incredible to me. Um, and he, you, he, that dunk contest, I don't think there was a huge gap basically from the, from the, the Jordan Wilkins era to, to that one where it was like, you, f- you finally saw something you haven't seen before. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, since, the like there is like, there really hasn't been a dunker since there's no since. imitating. There's no one dressing up in costumes. There's no one like, you know, like jumping yeah, over cars right. or props. Yeah. It's just like dunks up. are the showmanship, you know, like it's, it's not, they don't have to add anything to it. It's Vince athletic, didn't have to add anything athleticism. to it. Pure dunker yeah. along the lines of Jordan. Yeah, it is. And it's just, it's one of those moments where you're like, I fucking, it's undeniable how fucking talented this guy is <laughs> at dunking. Undeniable. Uh, it's incredible. He might, he might've even be just been a pure better dunker than the Jordan. I think so. Jordan, I think, was more creative and 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 more fluid as like a scorer because he like he won't like a lot of his highlights aren't even dunks, right? Yeah. It's like the couple of the spin moves and the like the up and unders and those kinds of things. Yeah, uh, yeah and like switching it. hands and whatnot. Yeah, he's a little bit of a Demar Derozan type. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on his best day. First time that's ever been said. <laughs> Although I so now see Chris, now you reminded me uh, the the three point contest. When it came down to Bird and and Dale Ellis, yeah, we'll see and that. Bird didn't even take like his warm up jersey off, yeah, and I couldn't stand. I'm you know he's Dale Ellis was a Sonic. I was rooting for the Sonic guy. Bird just comes out like last like last time through or whatever. Doesn't even take the warm up jersey off. Goes through the whole rack like I, I barely misses any of them. I think and like that the was, last one he just like holds w- his finger up, walks away, one finger up and yeah. walks away. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't have that. That to me is like one of the and it's a fucking three-point contest. So straight up so with, I'm straight up with you. That If I would have thought of that, that might even be... that. I, that's Because I hate That one was Larry incredible. Bird, and I, yeah. I was... I, I'm not even sure I really liked Bird. I, I didn't like the Celtics at all I hate back it. then. I yeah. Hate and like, but that was an incredible moment. That's good. Okay, so you ready? This is the last one. This one's going to okay. fucking... This one's going to rock your, rock your world. Because <laughs> you're never going to guess. that uh, You just won't believe it. Bill O'Brien. Whoa! Bill O'Brien. It, what? Yeah. There's a game. That's a, look, you can find it on the internet. Um, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible... It's, it's, a, it's 15 seconds of time. It was a game in 2011. Tom Brady uh, throws an interception against the Redskins on a slant pass in the end zone to Tequan Underwood. And Underwood runs the route perfectly, and the defender on the Redskins just sneak Like, last minute, just sneaks and breaks on Brady's pass and and snags the interception it's a really impressive interception to begin oh. with but okay. so so then they just what happens on the sideline they show on the bench and yeah. and brady's fucking going after underwood and bill o'brien 
steps in and says, like, leave him alone. This is on you. Like, you can fucking see it. And Brady lights up and fucking Bill O'Brien is like, I'm not fucking having it. And fucking just dismantles fucking Brady to the point where Hoyer has to walk in between them and is like, do, do, do. This is Brady. Fucking Bill. Come on, buddy. Like, you don't have the job security this guy does. And that's sort of it. And like, that's the play. But it's one like. I've never seen anyone fucking stand up to Brady, let alone for another player, you know, an offensive coordinator sticking up being like, don't shit on this guy. That's mm-hmm. on you. Uh, so that's, a, and I fucking hate Bill O'Brien before and since like yes. more than any human being on earth. But yes. in that moment, in that moment, he fucking did something great. Yeah, you're right. You're You're absolutely right. That is, that's a, uh, that's an incredible and, and, and perfect, I think, uh, demonstration of, of, of this question. Thank you. Well, that's, mm. let's, end, let's end this seg- segment on that thing, since it's perfect. Once again, Bill O'Brien gets the last word. <laughs> well, speaking of Bill O'Brien, this is a perfect segue. Let's go into the last section of our show today, which is uh, we've got the, the NFL draft happening tonight. Where will Tua go? Oh, I don't know. I'm Where still on the edge will of my seat, go? And last, oh. week, last week, you gave us some really good draft uh, choices. You get our draft bets, which I thought were... We're very sharp, and I, I can't wait to see. I've got my little Thanks. I've got my little notes here, and when when the draft happens tonight, and I'm not watching it, I will <laughs> look at those notes tomorrow and see if you were right. Um, now I gotta say, I gotta say from from last week, I threw this out there. And I, I don't know if you exactly remember this, but I said there, there's a scenario maybe where Miami doesn't take a quarterback number five, yeah, and that one of those guys falls, or they tr- they take Jordan Love, like the the the, the Utah State quarterback, at like 18 or something like that, yeah. And as the last two or three days have unfolded, there are scenarios now people are throwing out there that the Miami Dolphins are interested in taking an offensive tackle with number five or trading up a little bit to take an offensive tackle and then, and then may or may not deal with a quarterback later on. I think you could be right. I, I still believe that, and I, based on nothing other than the fact that I think that the Dolphins were originally trying to suck for Tua. Wasn't that like a tank, mm-hmm, for, tank Tua? for Tua? So I feel like they'll. it'd be weird for me to think that they're going to abandon that completely but listen and at this we'll point to find time, out on the world's most and, and watched this, Zoom this conference week call. that leads up to the draft is so crazy with like information and disinformation and like rumors and, and people throwing things out there i think to tr- purposely throw other teams off and to like totally screw with people and especially with the media i think too for a larger degree that at this point i think all bets are completely off going going forward i would i think there should be a bet on whether or not this shit's going to get hacked because this is the fucking greatest great thing bet. you could ever hack it would be the most visible hack of all time <laughs> Uh, especially, especially when the fact that, that the WNBA just had their draft last Friday and it was flawless and it was, it wasn't amazing from the standpoint of like interesting, but technologically or whatever you want to call it, it was, it was perfect. And it was incredible. The NFL will take and, no notes from the WNBA. No. And they will not learn. They think they could just do it their way. And like guys are, there's stories now like uh, GMs and like, there's like the IT guys like parked in the Winnebago out in his, in his driveway or the guys, they're like blowing out walls cause they're trying to figure out how to, uh, add wiring and just to, to, to get the setup that they want to get set up. It's like, I heard Peter King talking about, he said he talked to a, to a GM and was like, that was nervous that someone wasn't going to be able, he might be on a call when someone else calls. And he was like, why don't you just get another phone? <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, How Oh, that's a good idea. Like you fucking, you, you, your first thought wouldn't be another phone. I mean, maybe your first thought would be like call waiting. Then your other one's going to be <laughs> another phone. This guy was it's, like baffled. He was baffled oh and concerned. God. Anyway, it, 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 as smart as these guys are, well, maybe that's the problem is like, we think these guys are so smart at something when it, they're incredibly dumb in, in so many things that like, why should we actually think that they're really good at football? <laughs> it's true. I, I still love the guys that are like, at the eye test, fuck analytics. I don't believe in that. <laughs> An- analyze I chew this. my scar, drink my scotch. Like, I see his feet move quickly exactly. and I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> do you see him fucking get rocked? If I, I mean, in my opinion, do it too is broken, but that's because I've watched no college football except the game where he got injured and it looked bad. I was like, this is the end of this guy's career. I remember saying that. Like, I, like, I, I love Tua because he, he honestly, and I, I know this is probably not a good thing, but he reminds me like off the field of Russell Wilson on the field too, a little bit, but he is like, he's like very confident, very poised. Um, he's, he like, he just, the way he talks, he like, he kind of pulls you in to like his atmosphere a little bit, you know, and it's, 
I, I feel like he's got that same kind of thing that that un, undescribable thing that like Russell Wilson has. I'm down. And I'm, I'm and because of the injuries, I'm rooting so hard for him to actually succeed. I, I want him to. Uh, me too. I I he's my kind of guy. He's definitely my kind of fantasy quarterback for sure. Uh, <laughs> so so the so bring it back to to gambling on the draft a little okay. bit. Okay. Um. So I there's a there's a couple there's a couple draft things that I think are interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. On DraftKings, one is the uh, order in which the top three rated. Uh, uh, this is hard. This is yeah, hard. Top three rated wide receivers will go. Yep. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Um, it's a. It's. It's basically it, it's so you know it kind of comes down to like, th- there's a bunch of different scenarios of course because you can have any like number of scenario like th- three combinations of three. Uh, the two that are in there are it's Judy Lamb Rugs. Or Lamb Judy rugs at plus three fifty for each. I personally yep. like CD Lamb to go first, mm-hmm. uh, just because that's I what I've too. heard. Like Rosillo and other people mention, and at yep. plus three fifty, that feels like some good money. Like you could maybe, you could. I mean that that's, I mean that's basically you're getting plus three fifty for one of two probable scenarios, right? Yeah, and 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 um. I I think maybe this is kind of like the one we talked about with the giants hedging, like just picking, like gambling both, you know, like throwing a couple bucks down on on both things there because it's, it's 99% certain that those three wide receivers are going, are, are, are are the first three taken. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, And it's a matter of like, there's a scenario here where like, uh, this might be getting too far down the line, but sort of the jets are are at 11 and, and probably not a wide receiver probably does not go higher than that. Um, And then it becomes like, uh, 49ers at 13, the Raiders at 12. And it's like sort of, there's, there's a scenario where rugs could go first of the three, but he's such a, um, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a one trick pony. Why right? he's either Ted Ginn jr. Or he's Tyreek Hill, right? Where I think he's too much of a risk to go first. So I think, I think the order of whether it's Judy or lamb going first and second. And I think you can kind of hedge your bets with, with those two. Okay. And can you, right as can, a, as a one two three and rugs you know rugs is always third. So I like so that's a that's that's a good one. I would place a little on both a plus a plus three fifty on both. You can hedge that. That's a good right. And I think it's a, I think that's the smartest thing to do. I mean the the, the problem though is like could come in as like 49ers probably it, it seems like they like rugs because uh, because of what he could probably do in that offense of like what they what they want and they everyone kind of brings up the the uh, the cheetah play for Kansas City and they kind of put that throw that over into like the San Francisco side of things. And like, so some guys just like this, the fast speedy, like one dimensional kind of guys. But I think, I think the other two guys are sort of overall better quarter or uh, wide receivers. So I think that's my only reason why I think rugs is sort of the safe one to go third. Okay. That's right. Uh, so that's, that's, so I like that. I, I do. I like your, I like your idea. I like the pick of that. It, I, I noticed that one too, at looking on DraftKings earlier to this morning, um, it's, it's actually the more I, the more we talk about it and the more I, we sort of, you brought it up. I was like, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel that one. Cool. And the other one I like, uh, which is based on nothing other than, uh, some other shit I heard Peter King talking about, uh, is the first safety drafted. Um, there's this kid, Ashton Davis, who, uh, was a walk on at Cal. Uh, he's the fastest safety in the draft. He didn't mm-hmm. get a pro day. Uh, I think a lot, there's a couple teams that have their eye on him that he worked out for independently. Uh, and he, he's just sort of this unknown, but his draft stock keeps going up and up and up possibly because he is unknown. Um, and you can get him at plus three thirty, mm-hmm. or plus, sorry, plus 3,300 yeah. uh, as the first safety drafted, which feels like that's good that's good value uh, because there is such an unknown his, he was originally, I think projected as like a fourth round pick. Now people are talking about him in the second and these fucking GMs sort of goes back to what you said. Like if they, if one of them just gets a fucking wild hair and is like, this is actually the most talented guy. We're not passing on him. Safety sort of like a, a weird, it's a weird safety draft. I don't know. That's, uh, that's my one piece of sort of shitty long odds gambling advice on this draft. Yeah, it, it's and there's um there's like three or four other safeties that are are some people mock them in the first round, some people don't, and and like the one the, the guy from LSU, Grant Delpit, is was supposed to be like a generational safety like a year ago, 
and, and going into the season stuff. And now all of a sudden he's sort of like falling down the boards and they don't even think he'll be a first round pick. And then there's Xavier McKinney from Alabama, which everyone thinks, I think it's, there's a consensus that he's the best overall safety or if anybody's going to go in the first round, it's going to be him. But I think you're right. I think there's so much variables there and there's a couple of other guys. There's uh, Antonio Winfield jr. Is, is the son of, I don't remember the Dave former Winfield? Vikings uh, safety or cornerback. Okay. Um, uh, you know, he's like five, eight, one of those undersized guys that played like in the early two thousands or whatever. Um, I, I believe, or maybe even earlier than that, but, um, like some people think he, like he might go in the first round, kind of sneak in there because he's, I don't know, for whatever reasons. And so long story short here is your, I, I like your, I like the thought there, but he might, Davis might be the one that actually, you know, cause you don't quite hear about, even though he's shooting up draft boards, he, he might be the one where someone sort of talks themselves into it or they actually really like him him better than all the rest and he kind of just sneaks in there and is the first one drafted yeah he's sort of the unknown because there's so much variables with all the other ones that why not take that plus 3300 there take a shot uh and that that could be a kind of a long shot that actually pays off in a a very realistic pop you know what pick uh won't pay off chris (laughs) which one's that the one by uh the one brought to you by the ringers uh riley mcatee who <laughs> exactly? Who the fuck is this guy? It's another ringer fucking guy. He's a football expert. He's some nerd from like Sacramento. Uh, anyway, I was listening to his podcast very half-heartedly. And uh, I noticed that, you know, like these on the ringer, they've got to do like DraftKings ads or like maybe it's maybe it's FanDuel or whatever. And they give like each like in the break of the podcast, they have to give like a tip. They're like, oh, yeah, Van- one thing I think you got to bet on is uh, blah, blah, blah. But this kid d- is, is so dumb uh, <laughs> that he's like, he's like, well, one thing I would bet on is uh, Joe Burrow going number one. That seems oh, like God. it's a guarantee. <laughs> so I looked into it. <laughs> you have to spend $10,000 yes. to get yes. $100 worth yes. of money on Joe Burrow. So thank you for that fucking sage gambling advice. The ringers, Riley McAtee, you fucking idiot. Like what the fuck is the point? I'm sorry. I have a new hated, most hated person on the ringer as this fucking chump. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So go fuck yourself. Um, and with that, I really, I really feel like we could uh, wrap this, wrap this one up. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, let's go watch the draft. Enjoy it, Chris. Uh, so next week, let's make sure we talk about. Uh, let's make sure we talk about Rick Pitino. We're talking. Yeah, we, we'll finally get to Rick Pitino. All right, great. So tune in next week. More Rick Pitino, a little less cuffs, and you have a great week. End. Bye now. <laughs>